Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6 is where I want to take us today. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. And the psalmist writes this, how long, Lord, you ever asked that question before? How long? Will you forget me forever? I want you to listen to the language of this, because there, there's some... Uh, there's some depth to this. There's some passion to this. There's some angst to this. There's some lament to this. How long will you, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up my anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice, come on somebody, in your deliverance. And I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Today as we continue on in our series, Act of Fool, I want to speak to you from the subject, Wisdom While Waiting. Wisdom While Waiting as we deal with the common questions that surround the waiting experiences of life. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active, that it's sharp, that it pierces to the core of who we are. And so God, today, I pray that your word would move us. I pray that your word would equip us. I pray that your word would um, do a good work inside of us today. And I pray that your grace will just continue to saturate our souls this morning. And so this is your word, and it's your word that we lean on. It's your word that we need, God. So may these be your words, not my words today. So we honor you with this time. We honor you with this space. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shout it. Amen. Amen. I hate lines. Come on, do I, do I have anybody who hates lines with me? Any, like, line haters? So the rest of you love standing in lines. Fantastic. Uh, traffic people, how many of you love sitting in traffic? Like, it's your jam. How many of you, like me, loathe it? I mean, loathe it. Like, tra like it's, yeah, okay. So, I have an issue with lines. I don't know if it's because of impatience. Um, it, it, my wife says it's because of impatience. But I want to move. Like, I want to get to where I'm going. And I appreciate the fact, and this is how much we hate lines as a society. A, a, like, as a cultural reality, as humans, we hate lines. This is why Disney created the Fast Pass. <laughs> Because they knew what was going on. Like, they knew how people feel about this because no one wants to be in California, in Disneyland, in the middle of July, sitting in line. No one. So they're like, hey, let's taunt them with the Fast Pass. You see what they created there? And have you ever watched the person when you didn't get the Fast Pass and you gave them just, like, eyes because they're, and you're like, who are you? And they're like, I'm about the Fast Pass, right? <laughs> Waiting is not our jam. And I think if we're brutally honest, most of us hate Waiting. Seems like it's a trait that I've passed down to my children as well. I didn't know you could do this, but apparently biologically the issue with waiting is deep inside of us. <laughs> and I've passed it down to my children. I think most of us, for the most part, we edge really quickly into in being incapable of waiting. Are we there yet? When are we going? What time is it? This is one of the questions my kids ask me, as if they really care what time it actually is, right? They weren't like paying attention to the sun, wondering exactly what time it was. No, they have an issue with waiting. If mom and dad, parents, this is a freebie, since we're in the Active Fool series, never tell your kids what you're doing for the day, because they will always continue to ask all day long, when is it happening, when are we leaving, what's going on? Waiting is not our jam, and it's difficult for most of us. 
Not because we're void of patience, but rather because waiting reveals much more about us than we care to deal with. Here's the truth. Waiting tends to reveal what the true source of our hope is. Waiting tends to reveal what the true source of our hope is. This is why we tend to be a culture of quick hits, ever-changing fads, and pursuers of instant gratification. I have found that the source of many of our hang-ups and hurts, issues, and inconsistencies are due to our lack of ability to wait well, or more specifically, our inability to wait with wisdom. And since we're in this series about wisdom, I thought it would be appropriate for us today to journey down the road of developing wisdom while waiting. Because I think this is actually one of the greatest areas. As I sit in in, uh, pastoral care moments and as I talk with so many people now over uh, 15 plus years of ministry, I have found that one of the greatest sources of most of our issues is not the devil, is not spiritual things, is not all the things that we tend to blame it on. A lot of the things that we do come out of our issue with waiting. Come on, have you ever been there before? You ever been like hungry, so hungry, and you know you need to wait for dinner, but then they put the bread in front of you? This is, this is my struggle with going to Mexican food restaurants, right? Because I always know, like, I work up an appetite, I'm ready to eat. Come on, somebody. I'm ready to get my fajitas on, I'm ready to go for it, and then they put the chips out in front of me. And you're so hungry because you've been waiting to eat that you just, like, you just go to town on the chips, right? And eight baskets later, you know what I'm talking about, and they pile the baskets. They do that on purpose, They don't take the baskets from you, they pile them on the table so that you can look at the problem that you have. They're just like, I want want to remind you you're eight baskets deep, just so you know, just so you know. And then you ask for more tortillas, let's be honest, right? And I think that's what waiting is, is that we're so, like, just hear my heart on this, we're so hungry for what it is that we want that we'll then take anything that we believe appeases it for the moment. What's interesting is that we'll be so hungry for the things of God, but because God uses this mechanism of waiting, we will allow ourselves to be satisfied by the things that are of his hand. Because the truth is this today that we need to grab a hold of is that God uses waiting seasons. God uses waiting seasons. God uses the mechanism of waiting to do some big things in our life. I've found that waiting actually causes us, if we're not careful with it, to make some of our most unwise and destructive decisions in life. This is why wisdom and waiting is such an important truth for us. The better we get, the wiser we get in our waiting seasons, I believe, will in turn enable us to enjoy the season that we're waiting for. Someone needs to write this down today. I think this is important. The way in which we wait will determine the condition we are in when we receive. The way in which we wait will determine the condition we are in when we receive. Let's go back to the, to the dinner 
analogy for just a second. You're, you're wanting that meal. You're wanting the main course, right? Like you went there, you're paying for it, you bought into it. I cannot wait for the main course. But because I decided to go eight baskets into the tortilla chips, when the main course comes, I'm no longer able to enjoy the main course because I filled up on something that actually wasn't supposed to satisfy me. And my, and my struggle is, and my, and my concern for many of us is, is that we are waiting on God. We're waiting for God to come through. We're waiting for what God has for us. And you can fill in the blanks. And many of us are making decisions day in, day out, eating the chips of life, filling up on things that actually don't fill us. And then when God comes through, we can't enjoy what he's giving us. Come on, someone shout, wait. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, keep waiting. When we don't wait with wisdom, we tend to make decisions that impact the condition that we are in when we finally receive what it is that we've been waiting for. Whether our season has to do with finance, job, relationships, connection, hurt, pain, the waiting season can be a season of preparation and blessing if we allow it to be. So I love what Pastor Erica shared this morning about waiting in silence. We didn't even talk about this. I don't think she knew we were, I was preaching on this today. Waiting. It's hard, isn't it? But there's a question that we have to deal with concerning waiting before we can look at what waiting with wisdom looks like. We're gonna get to the practical side of it. I wanna buzz through these things, but the question is, why is waiting so difficult for us? Can we ask that question today? Why is waiting such a difficult issue for us? And I believe the psalm that we just read, chapter 13, verses one through six, helps us answer this question. And this is one of the most insightful pieces of scripture detailing the thoughts of King David at one of the darkest times of his life as he finds himself waiting. And it's in this psalm that David asks four questions, questions that I think we all ask in waiting seasons. And maybe this will make this piece of scripture. My hope today is to make these two pieces of scripture that we're gonna grapple with today come alive for us. Because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes, can we just like a little therapeutic moment? How many of you agree with me that sometimes we can read the Bible and we think that it doesn't apply because it just simply doesn't make sense? Like what's he actually saying? Well, I hope to kind of pull this out for us today, bring it alive a little bit to show us that even King David had issues with waiting. He had issues with waiting. So let's go. Psalm 13, here's the first, here's the first question that David asks in, in verse one. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? So David is grappling with this idea that he believes that God has forgotten him. You ever been there before? You ever been in a place where you're like, don't you see this situation? Don't you see the circumstance? Don't you see my, my pain? Don't you see what I'm going through? Or maybe it's not you, maybe it's somebody else. Don't you see what, what, what is happening? We're asking that in the world right now. Don't you see the pain, God? As if he's somehow so distant from it and so abstracted by it that he doesn't see what's going on. Can I just tell you the things that are happening in the world grieve God's heart. He sees it. But God still uses waiting seasons. He does things. This is the question of timing. We ask this question, how long, O oh Lord, will you, will you forget me forever? We ask this question when we have an issue with his timing. And I think a lot of us struggle with God's timing. We don't understand why God does the things that he does in the time frame that he does them. 
Why is it that when we are waiting, it seems like, have you ever noticed this before? It seems like it's taking forever and then all of a sudden, one day. And that's because God's timing is very different than what we understand. He is perfectly, if I can encourage you today, he is perfectly on time. He is never late. He is never early. He is perfectly on time. And I know that you may have been praying for a while. You may have been asking for a while. You may be going through things for a while, but I just need you to understand today above all else. Come on. God's timing is perfect in our lives. It's perfect. He shows up. And here's the issue with the timing thing. It's because the unknown aspects of time cause us to lose hope. It's a natural part of of waiting. And that's why many of us give up on waiting. It's because we are beginning to lose hope. We're beginning to lose hope. I just need to encourage us today. Don't go there. Continue, continue to wait. Here's the second question that David asked in Psalm 13. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? This is the question of God's presence. This is the question of God's presence. Remember, maybe for some of us in here, and this is one of my great concerns. Can I just be your pastor today for a moment? This is one of the great concerns with the moment that we are in right now. Everybody was so excited to open back up. Right? Let's get to church. Let's get to church. I can't wait to gather with people. And it was amazing. The minute we opened up, everyone's hugging, everyone's dancing, everyone's like just jovial and excited and everything like that. Here's one of my great concerns is that we quickly transition back into normal. That we quickly transition back into just looking at things the way that it is. And here's what happens. When at first we were all pumped and excited, maybe that, that first time that you, like, that you stepped into church, remember that day? That was when you enjoyed everything. Right? No one bugged you. The ushers weren't your enemy. Like all that stuff. <laughs> They're making me sit here today. That's my seat right there. Right? It's amazing how quickly when we get into normal that we feel like the normal is the absence of God's presence. And I just need to challenge us today because just because we've settled into normal doesn't mean that his presence left. <laughs> Unfortunately, what happens is normal causes us many times to not see how God's actually moving. We stepped out of a deficit, and now things are kind of getting back to normal. I just need to speak to this stuff, because remember at the beginning of the year, we started talking about presence and encounter? As a church, maybe some of you are so new that you don't remember that part, but we, we've gone on this path. Everything that we've been doing is I want to be in God's presence. I want to be in God's presence and, and in worship and in prayer and, and in study and all these different places. And I need us to know today that God has not left us. His presence is still here. Just because things have become normal doesn't mean that he's distanced himself. Is it possible that we've just become normal in our sight? Normal in our feeling. So Psalm 13, verse 1, how long will you hide your face from me? This is the question of God's presence. Waiting has an uncanny way of causing us to doubt God's presence in our life. I want to say this today. Just because we are in waiting doesn't mean we have been abandoned. Just because you're in waiting doesn't mean that you have been abandoned. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. What's endurance for? Endurance is for waiting. How many of you know that you do not need endurance for a sprint? But how many of you would agree you need endurance for a marathon? We need endurance for long distance races. In other words, we need endurance for waiting. And if you go to scripture, endurance is all over the place. And endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. Can I just say this today? We need to understand that, that we have a hope in Christ that does not disappoint doesn't disappoint. His timing is perfect. Here's the third thing, Psalm 13, verse 2. How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? This is the question when waiting produces undesired feelings. You ever, you ever experienced that before? When you're waiting and then the, the, <laughs> then all of a sudden you want to lash out irrationally, Right? or you wanna grab four Snicker bars from the line that you're sitting in because it's so long? Is that just me? Okay. <laughs> it's waiting. And waiting in many, in many moments will produce these, ancient, or these, uh, these anxious feelings in us. And many times it doesn't resolve because there's this mechanism that God is using to work on us. Why? Because we're in the middle of waiting. And I don't know, I, I, I tried to come up with a list of all the things that we could potentially be waiting for in this room, and then I gave up, because there's just so many of them. So you have to fill in the blank today. You've got to self-select. What are you waiting for? What is it that you're waiting on? What's the miracle? What's the journey? What's the position? What's the relationship? I, I don't know what it is that you're, that you're waiting on. Or maybe you're just simply waiting on something better. But waiting does some stuff in us. Waiting produces some things in us. And one of the greatest things that I found is that waiting will actually produce an internalized pain that we don't like. And that's why we then choose to try to numb the pain with a quick hit of something else. A little spiritual tortilla chip. Am I, am I talking to anybody this morning? Is this helping anybody this morning? Waiting. What do we do with our, our waiting? Is it causing anxiousness inside of you today? Here's, here's the last one that, that King David gives us in, in Psalm 13, verse 2. He says, how long will my enemy dominate me? This is our question when waiting contains resistance. Here's what I mean by that. I think many of us can start to reconcile even in this moment, like when we're waiting for something and there's no resistance to it. I'm just waiting. It's taking a long, a long time. It's another thing when I tell my kids that what they ha are waiting for will not come until they have to clean their room. Now they feel resistance. 
right? They feel something is now in the way of what it is that they want to receive. And this is where many of us start to freak out because we do have a real enemy who's after us, who has his own plans for our lives. And at the end of the day, there is an enemy that resists us. And many times it's done in the waiting period of life. Now I'm not just waiting, but I'm waiting with resistance. I'm waiting with something coming against me. I'm waiting for, like when we went into the whole COVID thing and everything happened about a year and a bit back, I remember thinking we're talking with our team and there was all this momentum and all this life and maybe you felt that as well. In your job, in your workplace, in, in your schooling, whatever it is that you were doing and all of a sudden hard breaks. And we heard, oh, 15 days, that's it. Then it was 30 days. Then it was three months then it was six months. Just so you know, I'm not making a political statement when I talk about these things, I'm just doing like the math of time, okay? And we found ourselves in the middle of everything going, how long? And then in that, we started to realize, especially as a pastoral team, some enemies popped up. Some resistance popped up in people's lives. Thoughts started to pop up in people's lives. Can we talk real in church today? People's marriages started to crumble. People's finances started to go away. Now all of a sudden, the waiting period that we're in is being met with resistance. And that's why, how long will my enemy dominate me? And this is the questions, these are the questions that maybe you haven't articulated with your mouth, but I believe that they're in our minds and our hearts when we are waiting, especially waiting for long periods of time. So now let's pivot. A word I love so much. I want to take us to one more piece of scripture that answers the questions then. If those are the questions that we ask in waiting, then I think it's important for us to figure out what waiting actually produces in our lives. You good with that? All right, so let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. This is from the ESV version. It says this, but they who wait, come on, we shall wait. Wait. Come on, we shall wait. wait. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, what a powerful piece of scripture. So I wanna close today with the remainder of our time, and I wanna look at these four statements that are made. This is what happens while waiting, what waiting with wisdom looks like. And here's the first thing that takes place in our waiting seasons, that we have a renewed sense of strength. We have a renewed sense of strength. So often we sit in the place where we believe that waiting is a weakened or weakening position, whether that be in life or faith. The truth is that waiting, especially on the Lord, is a position of strength and strengthening. I'm trying to reframe the waiting period for us because I want us to get to the point where all of a sudden when we enter into a waiting season, we've got to decide now. I am waiting and waiting is strengthening. Waiting is growing. Waiting is building me. It's making me get more muscular in my soul. I'm waiting. Could you imagine if we started to change the, the dynamic on it and all of a sudden we're pumped about waiting? What are you doing today? I'm waiting. 
That'd be kind of scary to people, <laughs> right? What are you waiting on? A lot, but I'm waiting. Imagine getting into a long line at Costco and just getting giddy about it. Like, I'm waiting, yeah. Everybody'd be like, you're strange, get away. I love waiting, waiting's so fun. Traffic's getting nuts around here, guys. Have you noticed that? And now I have to start to prep my head. This is, how, this is how weird I am sometimes. Like when I leave the house and I'm getting on the 15, I know, Jason, breathe deep, because you're gonna be waiting. And the truth is that I can wait with anger. I can wait with frustration. Like have you ever prayed the prayer before like on the freeway? God, could you just like move everybody? Like, you did it for Moses. Can you do it? Can you do it for me? Can you part the Red Sea of vehicles? <clears throat> Maybe here's another way to put it. We have to stop seeing waiting as weakness and start receiving it as healing. Here's why I say that. Is it possible that the slow that you are needing is found in the weight that he's bringing? Let me say that again. I don't know if that went over some of your heads. Is it possible that the slow that you are needing is found in the weight that he is giving? So busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. All the things, all the things, all the stuff, all the lists, all the things. And he's like, cool, sit in traffic for a bit. And we have two options. I can either wait with wisdom and wait well, or I can allow the anxious thoughts to start to accumulate. Just hit play on a worship song. Trust me, I am not speaking from a pulpit of perfection. I have to, do, like, I have to think about these things. Like, I literally mentally prep when I know it's gonna take me a long time. Not for any reason of my own fault, but for everybody else who doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> if you are incapable of waiting any significant amount of time for anything, you have a waiting problem. It's amazing how many people I watch jump from relationship to relationship because they can't wait. Tortilla chips. The relationship's just another basket of tortilla chips. The problem is, is when we don't wait well, we don't wait with wisdom, the condition that we find ourselves in, when we receive from God what he has for us, then we have a ton of other work to do with the miracle that he's just given us. Yeah. Here's the beautiful thing about God, is even when we jack up the waiting season, he's still gracious to give the promise. The problem is, is we just have a lot of wounds that we accumulated during the waiting season. So I'm wondering if we can start to see that waiting actually like renews a sense, a new sense of strength in us. Hebrews chapter 12 verses one through two says this, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance, some translations would say weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. There it is again, it's this, it's this race. If life is a race, then we need the strength to continue to run it. And this comes as Christ renews our strength. Here's the second statement that's made in Isaiah. And he talks about a new development of growth. 
A new development of growth. Let's go back to the scripture. It says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Now, there's a lot of translational issues in this particular piece of scripture. And a lot of words that you can dig into and, and dial into. I want to read this um, from the handbook on Isaiah. It's a, it's a biblical commentary. It says this, that the Hebrew verb rendered mount up can have the sense of this, actually. Because for some of us, we see mount weirdly. We think mount up. Like, is, like are we talking like... Like Gandalf on the eagle, like, are we flying on an eagle? Are we, no, that's actually not what it means, okay? It doesn't mean that at all. Mount up has the sense of sprouting or growing something. And for this reason, several versions and a number of commentators believe this simile is saying the people will grow new feathers, we will sprout wings like eagles. This is what I need us to understand, that when we wait, we grow. When we wait, we develop new things. When we wait, we develop patience. When we wait, we develop strength. When we wait, we develop faith. When we wait, we develop conviction. When we wait, we develop the eye to see what God is doing. When we wait, we build and grow and develop things that we never thought possible. So what happens when we wait. But here's the hard truth. Many of us don't like. Waiting is often the mechanism that God uses to promote the greatest amount of growth in our lives. It's amazing how many times I've heard people say this. I want to grow. You ever said that before? Don't raise your hand. I want to grow. I want God to grow me. Don't pray that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you've probably never heard a pastor tell you not to pray that. Don't pray it. Don't pray it unless you want it. Two prays, you don't pray. I want to grow and I want patience. Watch out. He's coming for you. It's amazing how many people I've heard say, I want to grow, but they disregard the space of waiting. Really what we're saying is I want what I want without an implied mechanism of production. We want God to give us the final product without the necessary process. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. We want God to give us the final product without the necessary process. We want the relationship healed without forgiveness. We want the security without the work. We want the faith without the trial. We want the success without the sowing. The truth is that waiting will produce growth, but that means we have to do the waiting. Come on, someone shout wait today. Wait. wait. But those who wait will. Those who wait will. And here's the last one. Here's the last thing that's built in us through waiting is a fresh pace for progress. A fresh pace for progress. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Here's a pace issue right here. And they shall walk and not faint. I want to read one more piece of scripture to you as we close on this. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking. Listen to what he says. It's probably one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture in the Bible. Come to me. Don't go to the bag of tortilla chips. <laughs> Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how the message version puts it. Remember, we're talking about pace. Having a sustainable pace, a fresh pace. I love the word fresh. Anybody a fan of fresh? Fresh. Love it. Freshness. And this is God promising a fresh pace. Listen to what he says in the message version of this particular piece of scripture. It says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And listen to what he says. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Jesus, we worship you. Come on, would you just let this moment bring rest to your soul? Sometimes we just need to pause. So let this be your pause. For some of us right now in this room, we need to take a deep breath. Slow our heartbeat down. Allow the pace of our minds to come to a different pace. For the Holy Spirit to move in the way that he wants to right now. Just let him work in the pause. Don't think about the lists. Don't think about the stuff right now. Just wait. 